Happy Mother's Day. Let's thank the Lord one more time for our wonderful mothers. I spoke with my mother on the phone uh, on the way to the uh, service this afternoon, and obviously I will call her tomorrow. Men. That was a hint. Let me read you. I got a list here, a top ten list. Hope you like top ten lists. This is the top ten reasons that God created Eve, the first mother. And obviously there were no children to take care of when he created her, but there was Adam. (laughs) Same thing. So, (laughs) number ten, God was worried that Adam would frequently become lost in the garden because he would not ask for directions. Number nine, God knew that one day Adam would need someone to locate the remote control. Number eight, God knew that Adam would not go out and buy himself a new fig leaf when his wore out. Number seven, God knew that Adam would never be able to make a doctor's, dentist, or haircut appointment by himself. Number six, God knew that Adam would not remember which night to put the garbage on the curb. Number five, God knew if the world was to be populated, men would not be able to handle the pain and discomfort of childbearing. Number four, God knew that as the keeper of the garden, Adam would never remember where he left his tools. Number three, God knew that Adam would need someone to blame his troubles on when he got caught hiding in the garden. Number two, the Bible says it is not good for man to be alone. And the number one reason God created Eve, when God finished the creation of Adam, he stepped back, scratched his head, and said, I can do better than that. Well, open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and Genesis 3. We'll start at 2 Corinthians 11, and then we'll go to Genesis chapter 3 in a little later in the message, all right? So open to 2 Corinthians 11, and then put a marker at Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to begin a new series today uh, entitled, Simply Devoted. Simply Devoted. I think that Satan is doing everything he can to keep us from being simply devoted to God. And the title of the message today is, The Enemy of Devotion. The Enemy of Devotion. And I want to show you this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, all right? 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led away from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Now, this is the greatest apostle that ever lived. And the greatest apostle that ever lived says, let me tell you something I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that Satan is so good that he's going to draw you away from being simply devoted to Jesus. I want you to think about this. He said he's going to do it the same way he did it with Eve. You know, Eve was perfect. Adam and Eve were perfect. They were in a perfect society. Completely, totally perfect. If Satan could deceive perfect people, do you think he can deceive you? That's what, that's what Paul is saying here. And he uses some words here. He uses the word craftiness. This word in the Greek means sophisticated trickery. Sophisticated trickery. He's sophisticated at the way he tricks people. 
And then in the old King James, the, the word he uses for deceived is beguiled. And when you go back to the Greek and look at the connotation of the word, let me give you an example of, of beguiled, all right? Pastor George, come here and help me. This is what Satan does, all right? He comes up and he puts his arm around you when you're hurting. And he starts talking to you. Let's say Frank said something to George. He'll say, Frank shouldn't have said that. And after all you've done for Frank. You know, that's the way Frank is. That's just the way he is. You're going to have to watch out for Frank. And you can, you'll forgive him because you're a Christian. You know, good Christians forgive. This is how deceptive he is. You know, there's no doubt you've forgiven him. But you'll always have to hold him at arm's length. And you know, when he said that to you, everyone laughed. Did you notice everyone laughed at you? It reminded me of that time in sixth grade. You remember that time when everyone laughed at you? That's what it reminded me of. And you'll forgive him, and you're not offended, because we don't pick offenses. You're not offended, but you are hurt. And you'll be hurt about this for a long time. Now, let me give you one other showing of the Greek word. When you take it to the root, this is what it means, actually. This is the connotation of it. You put your arm around someone, and while you're talking to him, you pull a knife out and stab him. That's what it means. Thanks, George. That's, that's the connotation of this word. That is what Satan does. He beguiles you. Now, every one of you have had that, heard that conversation right there, right? Not about Frank, but about someone. <laughs> Maybe Frank. I don't think about Frank. But every one of you have had that. Every one of you have had that. You've had him come up because, listen, the Holy Spirit is the comforter. But let me tell you what Satan is. The deceiver, the manipulator, the pretender. He pretends to be the Holy Spirit, and when someone says something or does something to you that hurts you, He will come up and tell you how you feel. And it is amazing that I sat with a person the other day who said to me, I said, you are offended at this person. He said, I'm not offended, but, you know, I'm going to do this the next time I see him, you know. And I said to him, you're deceived. You're deceived. You know what's amazing to me? Our Christians will say, oh, I've forgiven him, but... But, you know, I'm going to knock his head off next time I see him. But I've forgiven him, you know. Okay, well, let me just tell you something. That's not what God says about you when he forgives. God did not say, I forgive Jim, but I'll knock his head off next time I see him. God didn't say that. You know what he said? I forgive him, and it's, not, it's as if he never did it. So I'm just telling you, if there's anybody that you're still mad at or still hurt over something, you have not forgiven. Because God is not still mad, and he's not still hurt. Are y'all here tonight? It's just, it's just kind of strong. See, I haven't preached in three weeks, so I'm ready to get you tonight. I'm going to get you. This is what Satan does. And Paul comes along and says, this is what I'm worried about. I am worried that if he was able to deceive perfect people in a perfect society with perfect relationships, you understand there was no sin when Adam and Eve were deceived? No sin. No bitterness, no unforgiveness, no resentment, no anger, no hurt, no malice, no envy, no jealousy, no lust, nothing. No doubt, no unbelief, no unforgiveness, no sin, and he did it. Because he's good. And Paul says to him, and he says, 2 Corinthians, by the way, is a great book. I'll give you just a little background. If you were here Monday night, Jack gave you a little background on it. Pastor Jack Hayford. 1 Corinthians is a corrective epistle. Paul writes 1 Corinthians to correct them in some areas. Then it gets back to him that they start griping about who does he think he is, you know, to talk that way. 2 Corinthians, he writes back, and this is the paraphrase of the whole book of 2 Corinthians. Shut up. I'll tell you who I am. I'm your dad. That's who I am. I'm your father. You've got 10,000 teachers, but you only got one father, and I'm him. 
And if you, if I'd have read the first part of 2 Corinthians 11, verses 1 and 2, here's what he said. I'm the one that introduced you to Jesus. That's who I am. I'm your spiritual father. Now, I'll tell you what I want to tell you. Now, you better listen to me, and you better listen good. And he tells them two ways. He says, I'm afraid that Satan will deceive you the way he deceived Eve. Well, you go back. Now, go to Genesis 3, and let's look at how Satan deceived Eve and Adam. All right? Because Adam was right there with her. Genesis 3, verse 1. Now, the serpent was more cunning, more subtle, had more sophisticated trickery than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said? Did God really say, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, now he's already got her confused because her answer is wrong. We may eat the tree, the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. God didn't say that. He didn't say he couldn't touch it, just said couldn't eat it. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Paraphrase. God lied to you. That's what he said. God lied. For God knows in the day you eat it, your eyes will be open. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, here's what is amazing to me. He tricked her with an unbelievable lie. And Adam. Adam was right there. If we go on to read, you read Adam standing right there beside her. Adam got tricked too. She wasn't the only one that got tricked. He tricked her with an unbelievable lie. Was Adam and Eve created in the image of God? Okay. Because no other people on earth we know, but I'm just asking the question. Were there any other people or any other things that were uh, created in the image of God? No. So, was she already like God? Okay, listen to what Satan said. If you eat that tree he told you not to eat, you'll be like God. She's already like God. Okay, we say, oh, now, I'd never fall for that. Paul, the greatest apostle to ever live, said, I think you might. I'm worried about you. Same way. Same way. Here's what's amazing. If you leave your spouse, you'll be happy. Okay, listen to me. He's trying to tell you something that in Christ you already have. In Christ you already have joy. In Christ, you've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Is that right? So he's telling you, if you'll sin, you'll have something else. God's holding out on you. You cannot believe how many people I talk to that have believed that lie and are on their third, fourth, and fifth marriage trying to be happy. And they believe the lie. If you'll do this, you'll be happy. It's a lie. It is a lie. All right, so here's how he does it, though. Let's look specifically at how he does it. He tries to get us to question. I've got two things for you. Number one, Satan tries to get us to question God's Word. This is how he draws us away from being simply devoted. This is how he deceives us. He tries to get us to question God's Word. Here's the first thing he said to Eve. Did God really say Did God say this? As long as He can get you to question God's Word, you're in trouble. Uh, How many of you here would consider yourself, you might have the gift of a teacher, and you really like to study the Bible and study commentaries and study 
read a lot of books and things, you'd say, that, that's probably me. I just love to, to study and dig things out of the Word. Can I see your hand? Okay. One of your greatest strengths is that you question things. I'm going to say something different. One of your greatest weaknesses is that you question things. You say, well, what's the difference in that? Well, it depends on what you question. Listen to me very carefully. Never, never question the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Doesn't mean you don't dig things out of the Word. It means if you read something in the Bible that you don't understand. And I told you this back in the summer when we were talking about some things about God. But let me just tell you an amazing truth. If you ever read something in the Bible that you don't understand, it's because you don't understand. It is not because you've discovered some new truth. And Satan will try to deceive you. Listen to me carefully. Never question God's Word and never question His character. If you ever question the character of God, if you want to be a teacher, you better lay a good foundation in your life of the attributes of God. Get to know God. God is just. God is love. God is merciful. God is good. And if you ever think you see anything in the Bible that contradicts the goodness of God, you're you're being deceived. God is a good God. If you ever have something spoken to you that contradicts the goodness of God, it's the enemy talking to you. Don't listen. That's why I believe that we all have gifts and they need to be developed. But this is one of the reasons that I'm so strong on feeding people the Word of God. Because if you don't know the Word, you'll be blown about by every wind of doctrine that comes along. He will try to get you to question the Word. Now, let me show you an example. Stay in Genesis 3. I'll come back to it. First Chronicles 21 verse 1 says, Now Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. Now, according to the verse we just read, who moved David to number Israel? Satan. Eight of you got it right. The rest of you get a zero because you did not answer. So I'm going to ask you again because you've got to know this. We just read the verse. Who moved David to number Israel? According to the verse we just read, who did it? Satan. All right? Let me show you the same passage in Samuel. 2 Samuel 24, 1. Again, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel, and he, capital H, moved David against them to say, Go number Israel and Judah. Now, according to 2 Samuel 24, who moved David to number Israel? God, we got a problem. One verse, and it's the same story, by the way. One says God did it. One says Satan did it. Now, let me, let me just say something. Okay? The Word's right. Amen. If you don't understand that, it's because you just don't understand. But the Word's right. Now, let me explain it to you. When you read something in one verse, and you read something in another, and it looks like they contradict, they don't contradict. Just let God show it to you. Here's what happened. God... Moved Satan to move David to number Israel. God moved Satan to move David to number Israel. Now, let me tell you something else. When I saw that in the Bible, the Lord said to me, Do you understand that? And I said, No. No, I do not. And then he said to me, Do you still trust me? Now, let me tell you why I don't understand this. 
and did not at that time. I, I believe now the Lord has shown me, but why I didn't understand at the time. God told David, this way the Lord put it to me that day. I'll never forget this. He said, I told David not to number Israel. Is that right? I said, yeah, that's right. Then I moved Satan to move David to number Israel. Is that right? I said, that's right. He said, then I killed 70,000 men because he did it. Is that right? I said, that's right. He said, do you understand that? I said, no. He said, do you still trust me? Now, I'm, I'm trying to shake you up. If this is shaking you up, that's good. That's great. Because I, I, I do want you to understand God's ways are higher than our ways. And we, we think we're so smart. God told David not to do it. He moved Satan to move David to do it. And then he killed 70,000 men because he did it. Do you understand that? No. We don't understand that. Do I still trust him? Yeah, I still trust him. Do I still know God's good? Yeah, I know he's good. Do I still know he's just? I know he's just. I know he's loving. So, every now and then, the Lord would remind me of this passage. I'd be just driving down the road, and the Lord would say to me, You remember that thing about telling David not to do it, me moving Satan to move David? And by the way, by the way, let me give you a little more understanding on this. David had a choice. Because God's will with every temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. David didn't have to do it. But God did move Satan, and, and God allowed Satan to tempt him. He had a choice, though. He did have a choice. So the Lord would say to me driving down the road, you remember that thing about David? And I'd say, yeah, I remember it. He'd say, you understand it yet? I'd say, no, I don't understand it yet. He'd say, you still trust me? Yeah, I still trust you. And three years of him coming to me saying, you understand this? I'm, I'll never forget. One morning in my quiet time, he came to me and said, three years later, he came to me and said, do you remember that thing about David? I said, yes, you moved it. You told him not to. You moved Satan to do it. And then you killed 70,000 men. I understand. And I still trust you. I, yes. Yes. And then he said to me, I'm going to explain it to you today. So, three years from tonight... Because I want you to trust him. No, I'll go ahead and tell you. Here's my personal opinion. All right? The answer is in 2 Samuel 24, verse 1. Again, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. The anger of the Lord, not against David, but against Israel, was aroused against Israel. What arouses the anger of the Lord? Sin. Sure it does. Okay, here's my personal opinion. Israel was in sin. You know why I believe this? Because I know God's just. God's just God, right? And his anger, the Bible tells us, his anger was aroused. Why would his anger be aroused? Because there was sin, and it was aroused against Israel. Now, here's what else I believe about this passage. The 70,000 men that were killed were the 70,000 men that were in sin. Now, that's my personal belief. You know why? Because I've got a foundation that you're not going to be able to move me off of. You know what my foundation is? God's a just God. Amen. You can't move me off that. I don't care what you say. You can't move me off of it. God's a just God. And so God told David not to do something. Then he allowed Satan to tempt David in the area. And he brought judgment to a nation because of it. And also taught a leader a very valuable lesson in the middle of it. But here's my point. Even if God had not have explained it to me in that quiet time that day, I would have still trusted him. That's where you've got to be. If you start questioning God's word, you're on the road to deception. And deception is going to pull you away from being simply devoted to Jesus. All right, here's the 
second thing that Satan wants to do. Satan tries to get us to question God's intentions. Satan tries to get us to question God's intentions. God's not fair. God's not just. He's holding something back from you. Now, two of Satan's favorite words to get us to question the intentions of God, listen very carefully to me, are if and why. And you've heard him say these things to you. Let me use them in a sentence. If God is love, then why did he die? If God still heals today, then why wasn't she healed? If God answers prayer, then why did your marriage dissolve? If God really cares, then why is your son away from God? Have you ever heard anything like this? If God, if God, then why? I'm telling you, listen to me very, very carefully. Questioning God's character is wrong. God is love. God is just. God is merciful. God is holy. Those things do not change. And the first step to deception is when you begin to question the character and the purposes and the motives and the intentions of God. That's the first step to deception. Please hear me. This is what he did with Eve. God is lying to you. God is not good. God is holding something back from you. And if you don't do something, you're going to be in trouble. Now, I hope you come out of this message loving God more, but I also hope you come out of this message hating Satan more. I hope you hate him. I want you to know how cruel he is. Pastor Jack told the story last week of how he's just lost his son-in-law and Satan comes to him and talks to him about it. Well, I'm going to tell you something else. And this is, I told Debbie this, this last week at lunch. I said, I believe I'm supposed to say this this weekend. And I'm going to have to ask God to help me to say it. If you're here and you're a mother and you've lost a child through miscarriage or something like that, I am so sorry. I am so, so sorry. I've been praying for you all week. And let me tell you why. Because Satan is so cruel, he attacks mothers on Mother's Day. That's how cruel he is. Or if you're here and you're a lady and you're desiring to have a child and haven't been able to yet, or not even married yet and you're waiting for that God's, God's spouse for you or something like that, this is how cruel he is. Are you, are you catching this? He will attack a widow in the funeral home. That's how horrible he is. He doesn't have a shred of decency. He is a horrible, cruel, vindictive, hateful person. And I hope you come out of this message convicted of that so you'll never again let him put his arm around you and talk to you. And use his sophisticated trickery on you. Let me show you something in Genesis 3 there. Genesis 3 verse 21. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. This is good. God covered their shame and covered their sin. This is good. 
Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. In this area, he's become like us now. We never wanted him to know this. This was not good for him. And now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever... Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man, placed cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden, and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Now, let me just tell you something. At first glance, that sounds punitive. That sounds like, okay, you blew it, I'm kicking you out. You know, everybody, out of the pool. That's what that sounds like right there. And that's the way Satan wants us to believe. And and Satan will even say, because he cast doubt on the Word of God. See, it says right there, he cast him out so he would not eat from the tree of life. Well, let me explain something to you. This is not punitive. God covered their sin with the blood of an animal and covered their shame, their nakedness. That's what they were ashamed of. They were afraid and ashamed. By the way, those are the two prime responses to sin. That's what you will feel if you continue in sin. You'll feel afraid and ashamed. That's the two things you'll feel most, afraid and ashamed. And God covered their fear and their shame. This is good news. You say, well, then why did he kick them out of the garden and put an angel where they couldn't go back in? I mean, I see that it says he didn't want them to eat from the tree of life. Let me explain that to you. Here's why he didn't want them to eat from the tree of life. They were in a fallen state. They were in a fallen state. Here's what God said. We better get them away from the tree because if they eat of the tree of life now in the state that they're in, they'll live forever in a fallen state. See, this wasn't punitive. This was grace. This was that God is a good God. Get them out and put the biggest angel we got with the most fiery sword we got to keep them away from that tree. Until... I can send my son and redeem them. Hallelujah. Do you know, by the way, what's in heaven? Uh, Revelation 2.7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Revelation 22, verse 1. He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Verse 2. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life. You know where the tree of life is right now? It's in heaven. And guess what? You can eat of it. You say, well, it says I can eat of it if I overcome. If you're in Christ, you overcome. You don't overcome by works. You overcome by grace. If you believe, you overcome. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. If you're in Him, you overcome. Because He overcame. Here's what Paul said. We're going to go down a series now. For all of May and June, I want us to get back to simple devotion to God. To being simply devoted to Jesus. But the first thing you're going to have to watch out for is deception. And here is the way deception starts. If you question the Word of God, or if you question the intentions of God, you're on your way to being deceived. God is a good God. He's a good God. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Maybe you're a mother 
as I said, and again, I am so, so sorry. I am so sorry if you've experienced a loss. I'll tell you the good news, though. Because of Christ, you're going to be with that person for all eternity. Don't let Satan come and put his arm around you and get you discouraged today. Don't let him do that. Today is a good day. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to pray, and after I pray, we're going to have leaders here at the front. If you need prayer for any reason at all, I want you to come. I want you to let us pray for you. We want to pray for you. We want to minister to you. If you're a mom and you need prayer for one of your children, for your marriage, if you're a single mom and you need prayer, let us pray for you. If you're a child, maybe you're a 40-year-old child of some mom, but you are someone that your mom's praying for, someone's praying for you, and you need to come to God or come back to God, this is your time also. We want to pray for you, and we want to minister to you. So I'm going to pray, and after I pray, we'll stand. When we stand, if you need prayer for any reason, step out and come. Let us minister to you. Lord, thank you that you are a good God. We choose not to believe the lies of Satan. We choose to believe the truth of your word. And Lord, I pray that you would draw every person here today that needs prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.